No, that's it. Yeah, the green light is on. We're live. Welcome to Mission Control here in Deepest Darkest Devon for the latest episode of We Are Not Scientists, where today we're reminiscing about our amazing time at the science and music extravaganza that was the Blue Dot Festival last weekend. What do you think, LP? I, it, it was a pretty amazing time, wasn't it, Simon? It was. It was. It was incredible. And... Um, there's so many highlights, and I'm going to fit them in into this podcast, but we will try. First of all, LP, I always like to ask you the first question. Um, any highlights for you? Uh, oh, like you've just said, Simon, so many highlights. There were so many amazing things I saw. I'd probably start with talking about the actual place where Blue Dot Festival is held, Jodrell Bank up in Cheshire there, um, home to uh, the largest radio telescope in the UK. Uh, 50, I think it's like 55, 57 meter uh, diameter dish. It's big. It's big. It's, it's big. You've seen it. It's it's very impressive. It's one of those, even if you see pictures of it until you see it in the real. Um, and this is fully steerable as well. So, you know, it runs on rails and it has, you know, um, what I believe are, it basically has rails that allow it to, to rotate. I think it's on azimuth, which is basically like, you know, left to right. And then it has... Um, I believe they were old Second World War battleship um, gun turret bearings, which allow the actual dish to rotate kind of up and down, uh, as it were, and then it can point anywhere in the sky. But yeah, so 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 that was my first highlight was walking. And that, what a perfect backdrop to the live music on the main stage, right next to the main stage. Oh, um, amazing. A unique, a unique uh, experience for us and for the bands playing as well. They had the most amazing projections going on there as well at night for the, for the, for the main app. But let, let's talk about the science, because that's what we're here for. Do you have a highlight about the science side of things? Oh, okay, so many highlights. So you I went to a to lot of talks, didn't you? You went to a lot of talks, a lot of sessions. I went to a few, but you, 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 uh, you went to a lot. And I believe you met somebody. I, I did. I did. Um, basically, I'd not been there that long. And uh, Chris uh, Lintop from Sky at Night happened just to walk past me uh, right in front of the level. And I, I kind of I just because I, I recognised him from watching Sky at Night, obviously one of uh, Wan's favourite uh, evening TV programmes. Um, I, I just kind of like I sort of walked up to him and went, hi, Chris, because of course I know him, but he hasn't got any idea who I am, uh, Commander LP. Um, but I just said, oh, hi, Chris, uh, I love the sky at night, love what you do. And we just stopped and just talked a little bit about the James Webb teles Space Telescope. And uh, do you know what? He was such a kind, genuine, interested an excited individual that was so happy to stop and give me, you know, five minutes of his time. That really, Fantastic. really, oh, it was great. It was great. And uh, sort of a little, a little sort of uh, anecdote he kind of told me uh, when we started discussing the James Webb Space Telescope was that there are images that have yet to been released. Um, and we've had a couple more images released, I think, since we did uh, our, our previous podcast about yeah. the early images um but yes uh, there are images that are yet to be released that he mentioned many of his astronomer sort of colleagues from all over the world because science is a collaborative thing simon yep. it's, it's not it, it, it crosses borders and, true and that, true that. you know um and and they um they've literally been brought to tears by by some of the things they're seeing like they just it, it's just they never expected to be able to see what they they've seen in just the first few weeks of this amazing instrument so so that was great he said you have to come down uh, on saturday morning i'm doing a i'm doing a a session and it's all about it was all about essentially um 
kind of how to how to how to be a sort of a good scientist and a good astronomer you know and how to be fascinated by the universe and it was he kind of went through this this really interesting presentation about the different kind of attributes you need like you know an inquisitive mind you need to be persistent check, check. you need to you need to you know you, you need to be able to because you have to keep with, with persistence you've got to keep looking but you also have to be sort of open-minded but you have to be driven by logic and reason you you know you, you have to things have to have evidence you know so so you know of course there's some theoretical stuff out there but it was just this whole kind of how and also how so many scientific discoveries have been made by complete accident somebody's been looking for one thing and could and like you said you've got to be sort of observant you've got to have your eyes peeled because you may suddenly in that little data set that you get see something completely different that you never that you, that you never thought thought about and the example that he gave was and i can't remember the names of the guys but there were two uh radio engineers that worked for bell labs they were also just interested in, in in space as well and they managed to get the money together to to build what essentially it was like an early radio telescope it looked more like a trumpet this thing because what they wanted to do they were working for bell labs and they, they wanted to basically show which radio frequencies had the least interference to send transatlantic messages from Europe to, to, to North America. You've got to remember this was back in the 50s. They were just starting to play with early satellites, this sort of thing. And uh, when they turned their, their machine on, they, got, they, 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 they kind of could work out sort of certain frequencies, but they had this background fuzz that they couldn't explain. And then they, they kind of were trying to work out where this fuzz was coming from. And they noticed there were lots of pigeon droppings had got inside the telescope in this trumpet. Those pigeons that pigeons don't they? Yeah, everywhere. So 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 these two engineers meticulously cleaned the outside of this trumpet-based radio telescope to make sure that you know there was no way that that the the, the pigeon droppings as it were, were were causing any interference. So they cleaned it out and again because they hadn't protected the telescope correctly within the next 24 hours it was full of pigeon poo again so they went back cleaned it once again and then, then they set out some pigeon traps and they verified there were no pigeons anywhere near the telescope and they turned it on and they still had this sort of background fuzz and they're like where is this fuzz coming from they checked all their instruments so they then took their data to some astrophysicist friends that they had at one of the universities in America. And that they looked at this data. And essentially what they discovered, and nobody had ever seen this before, was what's known as essentially the cosmic background microwave radiation, um, which is the afterglow of the Big Bang. It's that, that, those, that early energy, the first light that was released out into the universe following the Big Bang, that's what they were detecting. And that, and that was just completely by accident. And again, from that, that, that's kind of helped us to learn that the universe is expanding and all these other things that we now just rely on purely by complete and utter accident whilst looking at something completely different. So yeah, absolutely fascinating. Wow. Ba background first, that's a great name for a band. Background fuzz. I like that. Background fuzz. I'll, yes. I'll take that one. Talking about bands, music. There was a lot, lot on there. Uh, I managed to see quite a few myself. Uh, Working Men's Club were amazing. Yeah, that incredible. Groove Armada with the, uh, with the projections as well, and Mogwai and uh, Metronomy. Uh, absolutely incredible. But the public service broadcasting. Fair enough to them. They came along at the last minute to fill a gap uh, that was left by Spiritualized. Perfect band for Blue Dot. I think they should definitely headline one day. No, absolutely. And again, public service broadcasting, they're very much uh, a band that are very close to Wan's heart, aren't they, uh, Simon? Oh, you for know, sure. I mean, 
so much of their stuff is educational it's it's it's, it's brilliantly written it's uh, yeah yeah like you say an absolute perfect fit for, for blue dot festival one thing that i really particularly enjoyed was the reality arcade which was a uh, set up in the in, in one of the fields there and uh, basically it was a uh, human-sized life-sized versions of old school arcade machines like space invaders and asteroids yeah that that was there as well the guys who who, uh, who run the reality arcade big 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 respect to those guys because everyone was there having so much fun no it was it was brilliantly done um like you say i mean they had like tetris big foam blocks and you'd have to pull them down the back of this pretend big huge arcade machine and somebody else would have to stack it up they had pac-man where people were running around mazes donkey kong where people were throwing barrels at you know kids that had little mario hats on it was it was it was superb such a clever way of kind of taking you know old old school um arcade machines and turning them into an actual reality as, as, as it said on the tin so no it was really really clever yeah that was that was fantastic and then just uh, any any more any more learnings from from the from the festival any more any more speakers any more talks that you uh, got some good takeaway from so much so much but, but there was there was actually there was kind of a a theme that i noticed and it wasn't wasn't sort of in your face but it was definitely a concern that science has about the climate the climate emergency i saw um tim o'brien who i believe is one of the associate directors of jodrell banks so one of the big bosses as it were a very very clever guy and he flashed up a few graphs uh, you'll never see so many graphs at a festival simon but all very you very really living it i mean oh, absolutely in my element it's like catnip to you <laughs> so, yeah, love a graph. But he again, he was talking about um, the 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 sort of the climate, and yes, arguably the climate's had sort of variation over over years, and there's there's various ways science can 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 tell this. But but the worry worrying thing is in the last sort of seventy years, the 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 carbon emitted by humans has just gone off the scale. It really is quite scary. And there's also a direct correlation to average temperature swings that, yes, don't get me wrong, we can still have hot spells and cold spells, that's weather. But if you look at the average over slightly longer periods of time, warming is happening uh, and there's so much evidence for it. And, and this this was really brought home to me after sort of seeing Tim O'Brien talk about, uh, about these graphs. They actually had a tent put up by the British Antarctic uh, survey expedition that spend most of the year in Antarctica, taking samples of, of, of ice and just seeing how the Antarctic habitat is, is, is changing due to, due to climate change. And uh, one of the scientists there actually brought out some Antarctic ice. Um, and, and, and I had a good look at it and it was really interesting because it doesn't look like the sort of the ice that you would put in your put in your cocktail let's say yeah. Simon. Um, um i know you're a big fan of cocktails yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, no it was it was it was kind of a really clear ice but it had all these air bubbles in it very much looked like sort of almost like a clear aero uh, for want of a better word and the the scientist was explaining to me that um that ultimately this ice wasn't formed through just freezing water, it was formed. It's gla it was glacial ice, and it was formed by basically layers of ice compacting on top of one another and, and trapping air between the layers. And obviously, in Antarctica, because there's many places where it never unfreezes, it never gets below above zero. There, there's ice. You can take an ice core and go back hundreds, if not thousands, of years. Yeah, again, speaking to this very interesting, interesting uh, uh, scientist, she, she was explaining that, that in the core that they had in this tank frozen, at the bottom, the, that ice froze in 1720. 
And what they can do, they've got some very sensitive equipment where they can go in, they can essentially drill a tiny little hole and suck out the gas uh, which in the air bubble, which is essentially like tasting the atmosphere as it would have been in 1720. And then they can come up through each layer and take these samples and see what the atmospheric composition was in any given year. And yes, there's a bit of natural variation because of naturally occurring events, volcanoes, these sorts of things. But again, from about 750, 1750 onwards, when the Industrial Revolution took hold, you start to see a very steep climb. And especially once you get post-war, it gets very, very crazy. So, so when scientists sort of say to people, you know, there is a climate emergency, this, this is not make-believe, this is a real thing. Um, and it's a real concern across the scientific community. And you're beginning to see all the sciences are concerned about this, not just, say, biology or, or climatology or, 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 or things that are specific. All of science sees that this is having a major effect on, on the human race. But to end with a bit of hope on that subject, there were so many young scientists there, uh, either still at university, guys, girls, really intelligent, bright young people. And, and I, I have absolutely every faith that as much as the challenges that the human race will face over the coming decades, uh, and climate emergency is literally within our lifetimes, it's going to, we're already seeing parts of the planet become unlivable. It will be these really bright people that will come up with really clever solutions to allow us to, to adapt quickly, to reduce our carbon emissions by producing things like clean energy, and to also develop ways to live on other, other planets as well, to, to, to make the human race more secure by, by seeding other planets. So, so, so yeah, kind of double-edged sword, you know, we're, humans are really good at making a mess of things, but we're also quite clever. So you, and if you put some clever people on a problem, I think we should really, at the end of it, be able to kind of clear everything up and sort everything out, but that might be a few years away yet. Yeah, Houston, we certainly have a problem here, and you know the message of hope from you is 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 very is very welcome. We just all got to you know pull together, and, and and you know every every one of us has got to do something about it. No, absolutely, and and I, and I would encourage and Wans, we we are certainly not here to lecture our audience. We are here to just celebrate knowledge and science and and all things uh, all things uh, amazing out there in the universe. But if all of us can just make those small little changes, you know, could we just walk to the shops instead of taking our cars once a week? Could we uh, have we made sure we've changed all our light bulbs to LEDs and so not using old incandescent bulbs? Is there a way we can just put a jumper on and turn the gas to, down by a couple of degrees? All these little things we can do uh, just to try and mitigate some of our impact on the planet so it's it's, it's all going to help and we're setting an example here at mission control because we are carbon neutral yes no no we are um, um again i mean my, my, the computer i use a raspberry pi um this literally runs off of a telephone adapter it's not like one of these big pcs with huge thousand watt power supplies we are we try to keep things very minimal here uh to to, to minimize our impact and just a small thing as well, we, we also saw uh, the legend that is Tim Peake. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, you say a small thing. I mean, what amazing thing to actually sort of see a, a, a real life astronaut that has been to space, has lived and worked and conducted experiments in space. And has also flipped the uh, gone into the airlock uh, with a spacesuit on, opened the other side and gone for a spacewalk. I mean, what an amazing experience that must be. Uh, just to even fathom, like sticking your head out of, uh, out, of, out of the International Space Station and then just going for a walkabout in space on a, on a Saturday afternoon. We, 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 we unfortunately, we didn't meet Tim Peake this time, but he is down in Devon in September, right? 
I believe he is. Yes, yes, he's doing a show at the Plymouth Pavilions, talking about uh, his his journey, uh, how he became an astronaut, the kind of training that you have to do uh, to become an astronaut. Because you you have to understand when you when you pack yourself into a space rocket and you take off, the forces that are put through your body are not normal. They're not the kind of forces that you you would even experience on the scariest of roller coasters. Uh, you know, part of his part of his talk was how when you take off in one of these space rockets, the acceleration is phenomenal. I mean, they accelerate from naught and they have to get up to 27,000 miles an hour within about five or six minutes. So they just keep the, the thrusters fire and they just keep uh, firing and there's different stages to the rocket. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty intense. So I think he, he was talking where, on, on liftoff. I mean, you're hitting about four four g so so it's like having four of you sat on you like pushing down it restricts your breathing it makes it very hard to to to, to think straight but of course as an astronaut they've been in centrifuges they, they've been trained a lot of them are fighter pilots so they're used to pulling like heavy g's um but yeah no really really fascinating um but again the highlight of that talk for me was i've never been fortunate enough to be close to a rocket actually taking off i'd love to see one one day it would it would definitely be be be, be on the bucket list um but they played an audio recording made by the bbc of the soyuz rocket that tim rode on uh from the baikonur cosmodrome in kazakhstan and you could essentially hear this thing take off and they played it over the like the full sort of sound system in the in the festival tent that we were in a hugely loud sound system and it was ear bleedingly loud but it sounded awesome i mean the power of this space rocket you know just shows you how much energy you need to 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 to, to burn to to break free of the earth's uh, gravity as it were it was yeah yeah it was fascinating just love the fact because it's very very open isn't it you get to meet lots of people like knocking around the site uh, not just like going seeing them you know these musicians and scientists comedians and writers they all hang around the side so you can, you can bump into them like you said yes yes I, I, I saw tim o'brien just walking through the fields and and i heard that um that chris lintot was grooving to groove armada um and again i, I believe uh, some other people had seen pro, uh, professor jim al-khalili walking around because he did a he did a, a set on stage talking all about um wormholes and black holes and his time travel possible and Try and travel forward with Einstein's theory of relativity is, is quite easy if you accelerate close to the speed of light. Going backwards in time, that's a bit more complicated. Um, apparently, there's nothing in modern physics that says you can't do it, but of course, it introduces lots of paradoxes. What happens if you go back and kill yourself? Then you would never been born. So how could you have gone back? Or say, if you um, invent, you basically invented a time machine and then you went back to your younger self and gave yourself the instructions to build that time machine, then you build the time machine, then that allows you to then go back and give your earlier self that instructions for that time machine. You kind of create these kind of infinite loops um, that have some problems. Um, so, so, but no, it's really, really. Now you're starting to mess with my head. <laughs> so yes, yes, uh, but but yeah, uh, but again, you know, wormholes and 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 linking different parts of space time, remembering space and time are, are one of the same thing as Einstein taught us. Um, yeah, you can get in some some really interesting uh, interesting ways of thinking about things. Yeah, all, all these films as well with with time travel, uh, like you know Terminator, for example. Uh, uh, one that sticks in my head because I'm always trying to work out like could that happen? Could that happen? You know, is there a yes. And there's a lot, there's there's lots of holes in that film, isn't there? I mean, there are. I mean, and and Professor Jim Al-Khalili himself mentioned there are many films, some that do time travel quite well, and some that are a, a little bit ropey. Uh, one of the ones he 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 talked about was Interstellar. 
Um, and, and although people might not think of that as, a, as an exact time travel film, anybody who's seen it, you're aware that Matthew McConaughey has to go on this on this mission. And when he comes back, his young daughter is actually sort of, you know, in her 80s um, and retired because essentially he flies very close to a black hole. Uh, and he spent some time on a planet that orbits a black hole. And because of the curvature of space time around the black hole, a minute on this planet is like, you know, five years um, relative back on Earth. So by the time he comes back to Earth, many more years have, uh, have, have elapsed. But it, again, all completely theoretically accurate. Great movie. Uh, for, Did he say anything about the flux capacitor? He, he didn't get into the flux capacitor, no, but obviously most people's uh, uh, favourite uh, time machine, the DeLorean with a flux capacitor, surely. There's no holes in that. There's no holes in that. I'll tell you what, I, I, watched, I watched them uh, the first two. I'm not a big fan of the third film, uh, Back to the Future, a couple of weeks ago, actually. And, uh, yeah, there's no holes in that, apart from the fact you've got to get a, a flux capacitor, which uh, I don't think is available yet readily on the high street, but uh, one day yeah. maybe... But very clever. And and also, I mean, I, I believe the original scriptwriter built uh, based the character Biff and especially as you see in Back to Future 2 on a, a certain Mr. Donald Trump um, <laughs> um, who somehow amasses all this power. So so quite accurately in the year, I think it was set 2020, um, um, Back to the Future 2, uh, Donald Trump was was president of the United States uh, very much in the vein that Biff had all this money and all this garish palace that he was living in, uh, and he uh, basically got there through illegitimate means. But again, probably best to steer away from politics now. But yeah, just a, another interesting thread in the whole Back to the Future story. We'll have to do sci-fi movies as, as a podcast as well. I think there's, there's a whole weave of, uh, of good discussion there. Uh, we have done a 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece, of course, our favourite film, which you can go back and listen to on, on, a, on an earlier podcast. Uh, I do recommend it. It is fantastic. Um, but yeah, just about Blue Dot again, just, just one last thing is that uh, one thing that I really liked about it is the uh, amount of cosplay, the amount of costumes that uh, people wear, really dress up and and there's loads of astronauts there in all kinds of different spaces. Uh, my favourite one was the orange one. Yes, yeah, and again, it's just everybody everybody getting into it, isn't it? You know, I saw people dressed up as aliens. Um, I saw an amazing guy. He had a Stormtrooper outfit, but it was all sort of blinged up and all multicoloured diamond rainbows. Um, yeah, all sorts of interesting, interesting uh, costumes walking around. And you looked resplendent in your NASA T-shirts. You had a couple of different ones. Well, yes, I mean, uh, again, NASA, one of, one of my, my favourite um, organisations. Uh, I mean, where, where would we be without NASA? And obviously, they're not the only people that have been very successful at, at, at uh, creating uh, space missions. I mean, there's the European Space Agency, the Canadian Space Agency. Um, I they know need to get better logos to be on a T-shirt. I'm sorry. <laughs> they need to get better logos. So, and, and, and you really get the sense that uh, the, the, the band's playing there, the musician, musician's playing there. Uh, really, really, you know, love playing that particular festival because it is so unique with the with the space and uh, science aspect to it. And for the guys to be playing next to that radio telescope, wow! I mean, that must be such a unique, unique experience for them. And you know, they get some amazing photos. Thing is, they can't see it when they're playing. Yes, yeah, the stage is pointing the, in the wrong direction, but absolutely. And again, some of the bands, they, they, they so fit the vibe of the festival. There's a band, Henge, um, and these guys, they're, they're brilliant. I mean, they're a proper kind of comic book character kind of band where they've got like a, a guy from the planet Venus 
but he had to be evacuated because Venus is uh, basically atmosphere overheated. And it was because of his race messed the planet up as a little metaphor for what we're doing to our planet. And then there's another guy who's like a hippie who made some kind of connection with this shaman through the higher dimension. And then there's another guy from the planet, from a planet that orbits the star of Sirius. And, and they kind of, they come together and they just do these crazy tunes and wear these crazy outfits. But again, just, just, perfectly fit the whole vibe of what Blue Dot's about. Pure entertainment. Yes. Oh, Commander LP, we had such a good time, didn't we? It's just a shame that Christelle couldn't make it. But she did say she'd be back in the bunker this week. So I'm going to give her a try. Okay, dialing in now. Oh, lights on. That's, that's, a, that's a good sign. Hey guys! Oh, hey! There she is. <laughs> oh, long time no talk. Hey, Christelle. It's been a very, very long time. Where the heck have you been? Well, you know, I had some like server updates and a bit of stuff that I had to do on the old bunker, but I, I may or may not have got a little bit distracted with some other things in between, which is why it's taken me so long. Okay, well, it's, it's great to great to have you have you on board again. Um, we've been discussing uh, our time at the Blue Dot Festival, which uh, which is really really cool. Yeah, Blue Dot was great, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was it it was good. What, what do you mean it was? What do you mean it was great? It was fantastic. I was there. Were you guys I mean, there? No, you weren't there. Yes, I was there. Well, why why didn't you give us a shout? Well, I couldn't really because I was sort of in the middle of a little bit of secret testing. Okay. Secret testing, that sounds interesting. So, 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 uh, I don't know, I'm not sure I quite believe you actually because, uh, I know that you would have got, got in contact with us if, if you were there. If, if you were there, just tell, tell us a little bit about what you saw. Give it, give us, give it, give us, give us your favorite highlight. Oh, my favorite highlight was probably, probably Groove Armada, definitely the best to dance to. However, I did see Yard Act and they were amazing, and I really, really loved Koji Radical, I thought he was brilliant. Okay, well, any, anyone could say that, couldn't they? You know, have you got any photos? I do have photos. I okay, can well, ping them later. Okay, yeah, ping them to me later, uh, LP. Uh, what are you thinking? What are you thinking, LP? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, we're a science-based channel. If she can provide decent evidence of her attendance of the said festival, then then, then maybe we we have to accept uh, the evidence has provided. But let, let's see what she comes through with, and and because obviously we were there, so we know what uh, what to what to expect. Yeah, we, we need it. We need evidence for, for, for sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm a bit confused about how you got there, to be honest. Well, maybe that distraction that I mentioned might have been a new invention I've been working on. Uh, yeah. I'm developing a bit of a teleportation device and um, huh? that was my first test, my first successful test, I should say. Uh, OK, so this is getting weird now. You, you, you developed a teleportation device. Yes. Yes, I have. And you teleported to Blue Dot? Yes. Where else would I go? And now you're back in your bunker. And now I'm back in my bunker. Well, Simon, look, it takes a lot of power to run this thing. So it's not something I can just, you know, be using all the time. Okay. I've got to be careful with the juice, you and, know? And Christelle, can I can I ask, obviously, the fact that you teleported to, um, to Blue Dot Festival, and this is a new thing, I don't think anybody's ever... Uh, fully teleported a human that's form. right yeah um did you did you use any of the equipment at judge Bank? what was the radio telescope 
uh, uh, used in any way to, to transform and transport your atoms from um, under the Canadian Arctic to, to, to Cheshire. Well, I didn't want to make it too obvious. You know, they're always checking everything that goes on with the levels. So I might have linked in to some of the smaller telescopes around the area. One in particular, I like to call Kevin. Okay. And are you the, uh, are you the reason for the poor phone signal over the weekend? Oh, God, I hope not. I hope I wasn't responsible for it's that. A bit, of, a bit of a coincidence. I'm talking as I believe you. I don't believe you. I just see pictorial evidence. I'll send it. I'll send it, Simon. You will. You will believe. Did you uh, see the fire garden? I did. Yes. Yes. The fire garden was there. What did you think to the giant? Was it a phoenix or a chicken or a rooster? Yeah, Mine... it was a phoenix that was, that was breathing fire and, and putting its wings up and down. Uh, yeah, it was very impressive. Uh, nearly got hit by a flame, but uh, again, I'm talking as though you were there, but I don't believe you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see in time. We'll see in time. So with this uh, inverted commas teleportation device, Castell, uh, it means that could, could you come and visit us more often? Could you come to Mission Control maybe one day? Yeah, I think I could. Like I said, I need to be sparing with the juice. This thing takes a lot of power and I don't want to draw a lot of attention to it by, you know, the powers that be, I suppose, might come and get involved in my own little teleportation business. But yeah, I think that if we time it right, we could definitely be together in person at some point. Commander LP, what are you thinking? I, I, I would just be impressed to see uh, Christelle actually teleport to our location and to see how that works. Um, it, it's quite fascinating. Well, this, this, is, this, is, this has blown my mind, I think, uh, more than ever before, uh, if it's true. Um, but uh, Christelle, it's just lovely to hear, to hear your voice again after, after so long away. I hope the service uh, are behaving themselves now. You've, uh, you, you've done a bit of an upgrade. They are, they're spick and span, ready to go. Oh, there they are, there they are. Is, is, that, is that excitement from uh, seeing Commander LP again? I think it must be. They look a little bit flushed. What do you think about your flushed server fans, LP? <laughs> it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to play to the fans. Okay, well, I think that's all we've got time for today. I've still got to do some unpacking of my, uh, of my festival kit, so I'm going to go... Uh, into my room and, uh, and and do that. Have you unpacked everything, Commander? Yes, I, I have. Well, interestingly, I've unpacked and I've repacked because I'm going to go and do some wild camping on Dartmoor with my binoculars tomorrow. Uh, and hopefully the skies will be clear so I'll be able to do some decent stargazing uh, many miles from any light pollution. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, by the way. <laughs> next time, next time. Thank you. I think we, we, we spend all weekend together. We have spent all week together, so fair enough. So yeah, until next time. Goodbye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hey, WANS fans, why not get in touch with us on Twitter? You can tell us the space and science topics you'd love Commander LP to explain, and feel free to share any surprising facts you may need verifying, and we'll pick our favorites for inclusion in future episodes. Our Twitter handle is at WANS2001, that's W-A-N-S-2001, and if you are just a little shy right now, that's okay, but if you could, we'd really appreciate you pressing that follow button.